0: It's BMAS and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN.
1: Good morning. Happy Friday. It is Beamaz and Beamer here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Brian, taking a well-deserved day off. You are uh, stuck with me till 10 when... David Bellavia takes over here on WBEM. Exciting stuff last night. You know, we talked about, we've talked a lot about COVID messaging, COVID imagery, and to see all those people packed into the NFL draft uh, like we saw yesterday, I thought it was a great thing. And um, hopefully we are getting to the point where we're going to see more and more of that. Uh, A decent pick by the Buffalo Bills, I thought. Uh, He's got great talent, great athlete. And uh, can't wait to see him in a Bills uniform, hopefully uh, being dangerous to those opposing offenses. Today, I thought, you know, we would take a break from an hour devoted to COVID and and talk about something else that seems to come up every now and then. And and that is removing um, expressways or slowing down the... um, Expressways around the city of Buffalo and a few years ago as we all know the 198 uh, went from 55 miles an hour to 30 miles an hour well now there is a proposal to remove the 198 and I have to say, before we bring our first guest on, uh, the reason this is so interesting to me, and I follow this, is I went to school off the 198 for year for four years. And I lived on campus for two years at Medai, and I lived on Crescent off the 198 after that. So to me, it's very interesting. Obviously, when I went to school there, when I lived there, it was 55 miles an hour. Uh, but now there is this move to remove the 198, uh in the city of Buffalo. And joining us is uh, Congressman Brian Higgins, who was at this announcement on the um, removing the 198. Congressman Higgins, good morning.
2: Good morning, Joe. How are
1: you? I'm doing all right. Uh, Congressman Higgins, tell me, what is the, uh, what's the plan? What's the finished project going to look like where we now see the 198?
2: Well, this is the vision of the Skajakwita Corridor Coalition made up of uh, the vision of Go Bike, the Buffalo Homestead Conservancy, the Restore Our Community Coalition, uh, Buffalo Waterkeeper, uh, and uh, a number of public officials. The idea is to reverse the damage that's been done to a city like Buffalo uh, because uh, of an obsession with automobiles and expressway building in the decade of the 1950s. You basically destroyed 90 acres of Olmstead Park parkland. Uh, and separated uh, the park, uh, Delaware Park, uh, because of an expressway. As you mentioned at the outset, uh, because of a tragic accident, really having nothing to do with speed, uh, the the speed limit was reduced on the Skajakwood Expressway from 55 to 30 miles an hour. I think what the state did unknowingly is prove that uh, the Skajakwood is now no faster a commuter route than the adjacent side streets and we can do better. There's an effort nationally uh, to restore communities uh, that have been destroyed by expressway building with a $20 billion piece component in the uh, American jobs plan. So it's a problem nationally, but it's particularly acute in Buffalo. And I think this Kajakwood expressway uh, and the conversion of that to an act grade, Parkway, bringing uh, the divided pieces of Delaware Park back together is a project that is uh, not only shovel ready, it's shovel worthy and can, in fact, get funded.
1: Now, looking at the 198, as I mentioned, Madai College is there. Buff State is there. There are people that take the 198 to work. Is there a plan uh, for them to get to work or is the plan using Main Street, using Elmwood, uh, Hurdle, the 190? What, what would be the plan for those commuters?
2: Yeah, what I would say is that the population of the city of Buffalo reached a peak in the 1950s when these expressways were built. So the city's population was about 580,000. Today it's about 264,000. So uh, we are overbuilt in terms of our uh, of our uh, infrastructure. So you've got a lot of streets uh, that were built and designed to to carry traffic uh, that are underutilized. So it would be a reutilization re- of city streets that are underutilized right now, and the additional, you know, lower speed traffic would be good for economic development because it would support, uh, you know, the the investments that are being made in in many of our corridors, including uh, that Hurdle Avenue corridor, uh, uh, Elmwood Avenue. Uh, and look at all the beauty around, uh, as you said, Madai College. But you have the Albright Knox Gunlock uh, uh, Art Gallery, which is going through a $155 million expansion and improvement. You have White Lake, you have Delaware Park, you have the, uh, the casino. Uh, and if you're on a beautiful uh, area, which is the Buffalo History Museum on the back steps, you look out. And, you know, it's all this beauty that people should have access to in improving neighborhoods, but there's one obstruction, and it's the elevated section of the 198, known as the Skijakwood Expressway.
1: You no, know, Delaware Park is beautiful. I'll, I'll tell you when we're running through Delaware Park as part of the turkey trot. Uh, it's it's a great part of it, and um, I, I agree with you on that, Congressman. Now, also, this wasn't part of the proposal, but there's also been talk about the 33 and removing that. Uh, would there? Do you have a plan for that, or is that something you would support?
2: Yeah, restoring Humboldt Parkway. Humboldt Parkway, you know, when Olmsted came here in 1868, he said that Buffalo was the best planned city in America. And then he designed a park system, which was 850 acres made up of parks, but also parkways, traffic circles, which really define Buffalo. It's the greatest park system, arguably, in the world. Uh, Humboldt Parkway was the grandest of uh, parkways in that system and it was destroyed it was destroyed because of expressway building and again this occurred during the 1950s when we had a city population that was much higher now people are coming back to the city so we just want buffalo to realize its full potential again and uh, as a great waterfront city you know you look at all the expressway building in western new york the robert moses parkway in niagara falls Uh, That wasn't a parkway. It never was. Uh, They called it a parkway to deceive people. It was an elevated section of highway that blocked the city of Niagara Falls from arguably the greatest waterfront in the world. Uh, The 190 and the Skyway blocked uh, uh, access to the Buffalo waterfront. Uh, The the, uh, Kensington Expressway uh, obliterated, obliterated Uh, Humboldt Park. We should restore that. We can restore that. This is a coalition of of outstanding uh, community-based organizations, uh, but also elected officials are speaking with one voice about the importance of restoring Humboldt Parkway. Uh, And we have people, Sean Ryan, uh, Tim Kennedy, they're in the Senate majority. They're very influential. You have Crystal People Stokes, who is the current majority leader of the assembly. I'm on the tax writing uh, committee, which will play a major role in the United States Congress, the House Ways and Means Committee, in finalizing a a piece of legislation known as the American Jobs Plan, which will provide a lot of infrastructure money. So I think, you know, things are coming together. This is a very exciting time. And I just, you know, we always want to position Buffalo. Buffalo. Uh, to take it to the next level. You know, before this pandemic, you know, Buffalo was a talk of the nation. The Economist magazine, the New York Times, the Boston Globe, uh, all, you know, recently did feature articles on Buffalo and extolling the virtues of, of a new place where the the young population was coming back. That the downtown area was being revitalized. You look at what's going on at Seneca One with uh, Douglas Jamal and and also uh, M&T Bank as a technology hub. That is a fantastic uh, commitment to workforce development, which will attract. Uh, a lot of uh, young people, but also uh, tech companies that will look anew at Buffalo and away from places like Silicon Valley. Uh, Do you know that in the Uh, 1.2 million uh, square feet of the uh, Seneca one, there's not one law office, not one law office by design. It's only tech companies because, you know, you have that ecosystem and it attracts uh, tech investment uh, in, in to Buffalo from uh, throughout the country and, and throughout the world. So it's just a very, very exciting time. And keep in mind, too, Joe, you know, uh, the fastest growing recreational sporting activity that has, you know, occurred in the last year is biking. And Buffalo is a perfect place. Uh, because of its uh, street design, because of its flat roads, uh, to encourage that kind of thing. And post-pandemic, we're not in the post-pandemic phase yet, but we're getting there. Um, And I know you want to talk about vaccines a little bit, but... um, it changes places. You know, Buffalo in the middle of the 18th, 19th century, 19th century had three uh, bouts with cholera. That's why Olmsted came to Buffalo. And that's why city leaders embraced not just building a park, but a park system because Olmsted was, you know, before he was a landscape architect, he was a public health worker in the civil war and his park designs reflected what he referred to as the healing power of parks, abundant sunshine, uh, fresh air. uh, That was very, very important. And when you look at urban design and the built environment, it's never neutral. It either serves to hurt or to heal. And in post-pandemic Buffalo and final stage pandemic Buffalo, we need to heal and we need to encourage uh, better use of uh, the landscape, particularly the parks and parkway systems that were destroyed because of uh, expressway building. And now the federal government is stepping up to provide the resources to do just that. And that's what I fight for every day for, 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 for my neighborhood, for my community. There's no more talk about Wall Street versus Main Street. I want to talk about the neighborhood streets and the homes where real people live and struggle every day. And I think that uh, the good thing is, uh, the bad thing is we had to endure this for many, many decades, many generations. The good thing is we can now do something about it.
1: Congressman, talking about removing expressways, um, the 198 and the 33, is there support for the 198 because that's what was proposed? Is there support by people in those neighborhoods, by the public? Has the public been surveyed and asked about um, the potential of removing the 198?
2: Joe, like anything, there's going to be a lot of different opinions out there, and I think the planners of this project – have to address those concerns head on, uh, honestly. And, you know, some are valid, some may just be a misunderstanding of the project. And that's what's going to occur here. You're going to have a new vision uh, for this Kajakwada. Uh, corridor that is not zero-sum. There doesn't have to be winners and lo- losers. In, in game theory, there's also what they refer to as variable-sum. There can be many winners, and we want to pull in as many winners as possible. So, yeah, people are very familiar with this. I mean, people have weighed in positively and negatively about the reduction of the speed limit uh, on the elevated section of, uh, of uh, the 198. Um, nobody is going to be, you know, everybody's not going to be fully on board, you can never reach that kind of consensus, but working through in a in a collaborative effort to include the neighborhoods um, is what we intend to do. And Albany is not going to make this decision. Washington is not going to make this decision. The people of Buffalo and Western New York are going to make these decisions because when left to Albany and Washington, they made bad decisions. They, they, they evicted people along routes for these expressways. If you look at the 198, if you look at the 33, it's all junk along there. Nobody cleans it. Uh, it, it, it leads to blighting conditions in neighborhoods. Nobody should have to live in that kind of environment, in that kind of neighborhood. Uh, the shame is that they've had to. Uh, the good thing is, as I said, we can do something about it now.
1: Congressman, before we let you go, uh, vaccine hesitancy, we, we've been hearing about that a lot lately. We hit the 100 million or are going to hit uh, the 100 million fully vaccinated. Uh, I'm happy to say I'm one. I encourage people to get it. Uh, but when we talk about this hesitancy, you know, I always look at the messaging of the vaccine. And I, I think there's a lot of promise, yes. But I look at President Biden giving his speech on Wednesday to a to chambers that were socially distanced and masked, but it was full of people who had been vaccinated. Uh, do you think we need to do better with the messaging of the vaccine, showing once you're vaccinated, you can start to do those things that you did a year ago, like congregating t- together, losing the mask when you're in company of those who have been vaccinated?
2: Yeah, I th- look, I think people are overloaded with information and that leads to confusion. Uh, here's the reality. Um, last year at this time, there were no vaccines, and the best thing that our healthcare system could do if you were stuck with COVID is to give you Tylenol to reduce pain and to reduce fever. Uh, that was it. There were no treatments, there were no vaccines. Now, uh, America is the world leader, the global leader in vaccine development and administration. So, as you said, we're reaching the 100 million, uh, uh, you know, vaccinated point where a uh, hundred million Americans have been fully vaccinated right now, 144 million or 43% have been, uh, have received at least one dose. Um, I think what public health officials need to do is better communicate why the vaccine's important. I think there's so much about the controversy, you know, the Johnson and Johnson for three weeks, you know, there were blood clots and that was the, you know, that was the headline and, and it, it affected a very small portion of the population albeit serious that shouldn't be the news the news should be this that a vaccine gives the body's immune system the upper hand uh, when uh, fighting against the virus uh, it triggers with antibodies uh, a, a, an immune response that neutralizes or kills the virus before it can penetrate a cell in the body. If a, if a virus can't penetrate a cell in the body, it's, it's, it's harmless. Uh, that is the goal of the vaccine. And the vaccine was developed to deal with the crown of the coronavirus and uh, to keep that, uh, that, that virus from infecting the cell. So that's what's going on here. So if you are vaccinated, Uh, you have a very low risk, a very low risk of getting COVID. If you uh, are vaccinated and you wear a mask, you have a very low risk of getting COVID. And that's what this is all about. You got a shot because you probably, you know, looked at the information as to the cost benefits of the vaccine. There are still vaccine skeptics out there. I get that. And public health officials have to do a better job of understanding uh, uh, to, to help people understand generally uh, the the benefits of the vaccine by explaining how it works and why we now, for the first time in this pandemic, have the upper hand, and that's why New York City is opening on July 1st. Uh, that's why you know we continue to fight uh, to get the U.S.-Canadian border open. Uh, people should be able to go to their cottages. People should be able to uh, be reunited with, with with loved ones that they haven't seen uh, since this pandemic uh, has started. So I think focusing in on the information that's most valuable uh, to the people that you have to convince. And that's the American public. And I think that uh, public health officials uh, need and can do a much better job of helping people understand. And still, people will decide for themselves, but I think they'll have better information. I think there's been a confused message, uh, and I think that is a fair criticism.
1: But do you think if people who are on the fence, because I, I, I don't know many people on the fence, but I know a lot of them say, what's the point? I still have to follow all these uh, COVID-19 protocols. If they saw, and I don't mean to to pick on President Biden, but if they saw President Biden meeting with his vaccinated cabinet and they all had their mask on and they were sitting like they would have sat in 2019, do you think that would push some people off the fence to get the vaccine?
3: Uh
2: Possibly, I mean, all elected officials, including me, could do a much better job. Um, but I think we're doing the best that we can. And I think there's still there's always going to be confusion out there. People are always going to be uh, skeptic, skeptic, skeptical about uh, about you know the government and and the role that it plays. But I think you know in the end, good information uh, presented uh, clearly is what is you know the best. Uh, 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 You know, offensive strategy as it relates to 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 vaccines. And look, you know, you're seeing because of the wide distribution of vaccines, uh, 100 million Americans, nearly a third of the entire population of the country has been fully vaccinated in. I mean, let's be honest about it. This is a very short period of time. That is not only an incredible accomplishment, it's miraculous. And uh, but we need, as you know, more people to get vaccinated to develop what they refer to as uh, herd immunity, uh, which is a goal that we're not at yet. But it's getting better. And I do think that if people take a second look, those who are skeptical, take a second look, uh, you know, the efficacy of this vaccine is very, very high. And there really haven't been a lot of safety problems, but for the Johnson & Johnson, I think those issues are getting resolved. Uh, this has been, you know, a very successful rollout, and I just think uh, people should take a second look. Because, you know, it, it, they're talking about uh, vaccine passports now, and, you know, that is the, the, the you know, the the, the criteria for international travel. Uh, this At this time last year, uh, Americans were not welcomed in 27 European Union countries. Now those countries are opening up and to Americans. Um, so I think there's a lot of positives uh, about the, the vaccines relative to getting back. We all want to get back to normal. And the president has said July 4th today. Okay, let's hold them to that and let's get back to a sense of normalcy on July 4th where the the more people get vaccinated the less likely they are to have to do you know the other things that are necessary because when you know face masks social distancing uh were were advanced last year it was in the absence of an effective vaccine now we have not only a vaccine we have three of them that have been approved by the food and drug administration with a very very high Rate of effectiveness.
1: Congressman Brian Higgins, thank you so much for joining me this morning.
2: Thanks, John. Take care.
1: That is Congressman Brian Higgins talking about the potential removing of the 198 and also uh, vaccine messaging, something you know Brian Mazurowski and I have talked a lot about this week here on BMAS and Beamer. When we come back, we're taking your calls 803 0930. What do you think of the potential? removal of expressways like the 198 and the 33 also i do have something i want to talk about so i'm going to say it when we come back it's beam and beamer on wben
0: we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s <laughs> it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch It's Beam and Beamer, News Radio 930 WBEN.
1: Well, you know, when Brian's not here, we're going to play Return of the Mac a little longer. Oh, what a great Friday kickoff song. It is Beamaz and Beamer here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Thank you to Congressman Brian Higgins for joining me in the first segment. And let me just tell you, hey, Congressman Higgins and I, we disagree on a lot of things. But I don't know anyone, locally or nationally, who is so available to media on short notice. And I will always thank Congressman Higgins for that. You know, I texted his PR person 90 minutes before the show and he was able to join us. So I thank him for that. And I will always, always make sure that is known. You know, there's a lot of obviously elected officials in Western New York, locally, state level, nationally, um, but no one is, is, is available to the media and is quick to get back with an answer uh, than Brian Higgins and his team. So I I always thank him for joining us. However, I do have to say on the removal of expressways, and maybe this is just Joe Beamer being selfish. I'd like to know your opinion at 803-0930. But as someone who lived off the 198 for four years, as someone who drives downtown regularly to see events, you know, we were talking about it off air, and you get rid of the 33. How how are the North Towns getting downtown? Are, are you going to take Main Street from Amherst? Now, you always do have the Metro Rail, which is a great option if you live near the Metro Rail. That's always a great option to get downtown. You don't have to worry about parking. But I just don't understand... If, is is the plan just using the side streets? A, I don't see where that. I see where there's a safety concern, and B, just overcrowding. I mean, think of the thirty-three. Think of when the Sabers were good, which is easy to think about now because we've been talking about Ryan Ryan Miller retiring. Now think of taking the thirty-three and taking that traffic going to the Sabers game and putting it on Main Street, putting it on Genesee. I mean are people going to get on the 90 and take the 90 from Amherst all the way down to the 190 and then shoot downtown that way or take the 290 to the 190 and shoot downtown that way? I just don't understand what 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 the plan is to get people to this and again Oh there I I said and again, which I was pointed out last week filling in for Brawley. I say that too much. But you look at downtown Buffalo and the congressman's right. Downtown Buffalo is beautiful. We've got a lot, of, a lot of promise downtown. Even after the pandemic, we have a lot of promise downtown. Southern Tier taking over 716. Labatt Blue House opening up. Events back at the arena. The Blue Jays potentially playing half a season at the ballpark. Downtown is very promising, and it's a place where people are going to want to be. How are we going to get those people downtown? How are we going to get people from Amherst downtown? And then we can talk about the Skyway. If we get rid of the Skyway, how are we going to get people from Hamburg downtown? Obviously, there's ways to do it. But I believe, and maybe I'm too optimistic. But I believe that when the pandemic's done, downtown Buffalo is a place where a lot of people are going to want to be. And a lot of people that live in the north towns and a lot of people that depend on the 33 to get downtown. And if you get rid of the 33, if you get rid of the 198, is it just me or does that slow progress? Does that kind of halt progress? Because if it's a pain in the you-know-what to get somewhere, uh, chances are I'm not going to go. You know, I've always wanted to go to Atlantic City, but it's not the easiest place to hop on a plane from Buffalo and go to Atlantic City. It's much easier to hop on a plane and go to Vegas. It's actually a lot cheaper, too. So I just decided I don't want to go to Atlantic City. And I've never been. I would hate to see downtown Buffalo not live up to the potential that it's being built as. Because we got rid of one of the main roads to get there. Now I know there are other issues around getting rid of the 33, getting rid of the 198. And the things Congressman Higgins proposed... I wouldn't say I'm completely against the idea. But I don't I don't I can't support that idea if there's no alternate for the 33. If there's no alternate for the 198 for 198. You get rid of the 198 and he's right, since they've slowed it down people find other ways to get downtown. But there are still people that depend on the 198. You get rid of that completely, you are going to have cars down Main Street, down Hurdle, down Elmwood it's going it's going to be a mess you're going to have you know especially now with people going back to work imagine all the traffic on main street and if main street's going to be your main road downtown there's going to have to be some road work done on route 5 if we're going to make that the the main route downtown without the 33 803-0930 star 930 let's go to lockport and talk to dave dave what do you say Good morning, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well, Dave. What do you uh, think about the 33? Well, here's what I, I have this little scenario in my head.
3: Say a brass hat from a big company. He's sent to Buffalo to investigate Buffalo. The big shot officer of this company really doesn't know Buffalo that well, but he was told by his superiors to consider Buffalo for a factory site, a warehouse site, offices, whatever. There's no 33. All right. There's no 33 in this scenario. This man is in a limo chugging down Genesee Street to get downtown.
1: Has to stop every minute and a half for a light. You think he, Joe? Do you think he's coming back? It, it, that's you know. I forgot about all the lights on uh, Genesee. No. I mean, there, if you're if you fastest route downtown is either Genesee or Main Street, you are slowing people from getting downtown. And also what you're doing is just making it less desirable. People don't want to have to go out of their way to get somewhere.
3: Exactly.
1: Thank you, Dave. Yeah, that's another point. You ever drive down Genesee? You're at a light every 10 seconds. But now you're talking about an easy drive downtown that takes 15 minutes. You hop on Genesee, it's going to take you 30, 35 minutes. And that's if you don't hit every light. That's if you get a few green lights on the way. I And I don't want to poo-poo the idea. I, I don't think it's an awful idea to bring Delaware Park to its full potential. I just think we need more than we'll use Main Street in Elmwood. The 33 now, I mean, that's... I just don't see that happening. I really don't. Now, if you would have said this 10 years ago, when downtown Buffalo was not, well, let's be honest, downtown Buffalo 10 years ago, I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of promise. You know, thanks to Doug Jamal, thanks to the Pagoulas, downtown Buffalo is beautiful. And, and there is nothing but promise and a lot of optimism around downtown Buffalo. And I want to get there as quick as I can. Now, again, you, there's a way this could work. And I know this is going to sound ridiculous. But there's a way this could work. And that is expanding the Metro Rail. Which always gets laughed at when I bring it up. But why not expand the Metro Rail? Why not work on... It, it seems to me three years ago we did an environmental study that cost millions of dollars to expand the metro rail down, down the boulevard, to expand the metro rail to the airport. Whatever happened to that? Did we just lose that, that uh, couple million? But now if you talk about expanding the metro rail, I'm still probably not 100% on board with removing the 33, but that's a start. That's a start. More people want to get downtown. Well, we got rid of the 198. Well, hey, we expanded the metro rail. More access for people to get on the metro rail. But I think with doing something like this, with no secondary plan, it's just Buffalo getting in its own way. And we've seen this before. We've seen Buffalo getting in its own way. Do you remember the original plans for the casino downtown? It was supposed to be like the casino in the falls. It was supposed to be a hotel. What happened? The city of Buffalo got in the way. Does anyone remember... Now, you're going to have to go back in time for this one. Does anyone remember Bass Pro Shop? Was that too far in the past for everyone? What happened to that? The city of Buffalo got in the way. Now we have Doug Jamal downtown. The Pagoulas downtown potentially a stadium downtown in the next few years. Buffalo gets rid of the 33, doesn't replace it with anything, just depends on people that take the 190 and Main Street and Genesee downtown. I think that's another example of Buffalo getting in its own way. And it's, it's you know, I thought we were out of that. I really did. And I hope we are. Because I've been in Buffalo since I was 10 or 11. And for 21 years, I can point to numerous times this area has gotten in its own way. 803-0930, we have Steve in the falls. Hey, Steve. How
3: are you doing this morning, sir?
1: I'm all right, Steve. What do you say? Well,
3: I'm an avid shooter.
1: Follow me on this. Okay. You know,
3: when you, if you're an avid shooter, you're really, really cautious about how you handle firearms. Okay. Okay, so you, one thing you really avoid at all costs is shooting yourself in the foot. So the footprint of Buffalo, and I'm not from Buffalo, I'm from the Falls. The footprint of Buffalo is the skajakwita, which, by the way, it took me a couple of years to learn how to pronounce it, and, and the 33, and without that, you're going to have to explain to me, because I've driven those roads at all hours of the day. I mean it. At Every hour of the day. Uh, I was a police officer in the city of Niagara Falls. I even had to go to Buffalo on duty. So I, at all hours of the day, 24 hours a day at any given time, I, had, I could be going to Buffalo. And without those roadways, and by the way, noting the amount of traffic on them, you're going to have to explain to me, without the transporter from Star Trek, how in God's good name people are supposed to get back and forth without killing the, the, the goose that laid the golden egg because Buffalo, to me, luckily for them, seems to be a city that's growing by leaps and bounds, unfortunately, for us. And they got the billion-dollar Buffalo, of $5 billion, whatever it is, and they really do seem to be growing. They seem to have something going. And to take away the traffic, which is, by the way, how people come and go, I, I just can't comprehend. It's beyond my... It's just like when they shut the parkway down here in Niagara Falls. They shut the parkway down to Youngstown, and they thought they were going to create more business in the city. All they did was make people scratch their heads and go, how do I get from point A to point B? They took away the roadway. So I don't understand what Buffalo's thinking.
1: No, you know, and and Steve, how many times have we said that? I don't understand what Buffalo's thinking. And this is the newest example. I thank you for the phone call. 803-0930, star 930, Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board is open at 803-0930. And Steve's right. I mean, this is a growing city. And you've got the 198, two, I'm not going to say of the biggest colleges in the area. Actually, I'm sorry, four colleges in the area. Students depend on the 198. You've got Canisius, Buff State, Medai, and DeUville, All somewhat along the 198. So you have students at any of those colleges. Now they're going to be forced to take Hurdle and Elmwood and Parkside and Main Street to get around. Add no 33 to that. I think you're talking about a nightmare when it comes to traffic. Now, you could talk about maybe expanding Kingsington, because Kingsington and Main Street kind of run parallel into the city. So you could talk about diverting half the traffic onto Kingsington to alleviate Main Street. But, you know, that only gets you to where the 198 is now. And then you're talking about that traffic coming together with nowhere else to go but Main Street to get downtown. Four-lane Main Street. I, I, I just, I don't know why it always seems when Buffalo is on the rise, Buffalo finds a way to turn people away. I just don't get it. Well, that is it for Beamaz and Beamer. I thank you for the calls. If you're on hold, I'm sorry we didn't get to you. Thank you for the text. I thank Congressman Brian Higgins for joining me in the first segment. If you missed any of Beamaz and Beamer, it is on demand at WBEN.com, on the Odyssey app, on Apple Podcasts. And I make a plea to you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on the Odyssey app. Because it does make Brian and I look good. And I really enjoy doing a show with Brian. And I hope this, you know, I hope it continues. I hope you guys are enjoying it. And I thank you for all the feedback, all the listening. Before we get out of here, though, I did say I wanted to vent for a few seconds. And I'm going to end the show venting for a few seconds. So, the second weekend in June, the Mets play the Padres. And Katie and I are planning to go to New York to see the Mets play the Padres. Here's the problem: tickets for May games went on sale in six minutes. For May games, so if we follow the same planning, tickets won't go on sale till May thirtieth. That gives me eleven days to plan, to uh, buy tickets for a trip that we're obviously going to have to plan before the end of May. I just don't understand it. I don't know if that's something because of the state's guidelines or the Mets are really just waiting till the last minute to release tickets. Uh, But it's very frustrating when you're trying to plan a trip. But the thing you're planning the trip around, you can't get until less than two weeks before that trip. I don't know. Uh, Of all things to complain about, that's probably the least on my list. But I just wanted to share that. With the the audience. Hey, don't miss Hardline this Sunday, 10 to noon on WBEN. I will talk to you then. Buffalo, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy yourself, enjoy your friends and family, enjoy the draft. You know, seeing that yesterday, seeing people congregating together, people on stage without a mask, it was so promising for what this summer has ahead. And I cannot wait to get back to normal, to see you, to see everybody, and to cheer on our local teams. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday
0: on WBEN.